ladies and gentlemen. This is Brian and Ethan from the Act Your Age podcast. I got Brian over here on a webcam because he's in Arizona. I'm in Nevada. That's how we're rocking and rolling with this. That's right. Now, Brian has some crazy news to talk about. It pertains to Lysol. Does that have to do with disinfecting so you don't get coronavirus? I don't know. He's going to tell me. Brian, I, man, let's talk about that. I just need to know, like, are we in a crazy movie right now? Like, this is, I, I feel like I'm reading some of these news articles and I can't really, I can't understand. I don't know. We're in the twilight zone or what's going on, man. Because I had to read an article today that said that people are drinking and injecting Lysol. Now, are you I'm serious? <laughs> do you remember when you were younger and people go, uh, Ethan, if someone told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? My answer was always yes. Well, it should have been. And that's what I'm thinking about now. I'm like, dude, a lot of these people said no, but I think that it should have been a yes. Because if someone tells me I should drink hand sanitizer or inject it into my system, I'm thinking, okay, either first of all, he doesn't know what he's talking about. They don't know what they're talking about or they're joking. And I'm not going to just take it, just take their advice and go for it. But obviously they have been because. In Brian, let me ask you, who is telling you this advice? Who's telling you to do this? I'm not, I, hey, I, anybody out there, do not do this. However, there was a press conference with our president of the United States of America where he did say this. I don't know if he was joking. I don't know if not. But a lot of people obviously thought that he wasn't joking. Um, I say this because the calls to uh, calls the poison center con, uh, centers spiked by two, like, like times two amount of people called in saying that they were having issues because they digested this. They digested this. I mean, is this hand sanitizer? Is this like Clorox? So the, idea, so the idea was, the idea here was that since you're supposed to put hand sanitizer on your hands, right? To clean and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Why don't you just ingest it and it'll clean your whole body out? Jesus Christ, pardon me, but wow. So people are actually doing this, you said. People are doing this and call centers are doubling in, in their calls. Doubling, man. That mean, like That means that, People are literally doing this and then wondering why they're not feeling great or, or their family members are, are struggling. It's like, you're not. Has anybody died? To, I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. This is but, like the Tide Pod thing. How long ago was that? Like people actually died eating Tide Pods. I know. I know. And, and it makes it, you know, I, I don't know whether to laugh or, or to cry, man, because, because it makes me think like, man, this is a. Uh, this is scary. Like this is this is scary that this is where what we've come to. Common sense isn't so common anymore, my friend. Exactly. Like how is this not how how do you not hear that and just go, yeah, probably not the best idea, man. Uh, I'm not going to do that this time. I'll, I'll see. Ho hopefully, it works out well for you. What are we doing? So, Brian, you're telling me that people are going out and instead of panic buying hand sanitizer to put it on their hands, they are they're drinking it. They're drinking it. They're drinking it or injecting it. Injecting it. That's the thing that gets me. That is, that's commitment. That, that goes to your blood faster, right? That's the idea. That's crazy. Um, it's scary, man. That's, that's commitment and it is scary. And for me, you know what that does? That kind of confirms, like you said, we're, we're in some kind of parallel reality right now. We, the world ended in 2008 <laughs> and the Mayans got it right. And ever since then, crazy stuff has been happening like this. This should not be even worth talking about but unfortunately it is it's uh it's been a very interesting year uh 
like you said, <laughs> I'm in Arizona. It's about 100 degrees out here. So everyone's just staying inside. And I'm stuck inside just reading these news articles. And, and I, I don't know what – I just don't know what's happening. I mean, it's, it's almost like – I gave up like, on trying to figure that out a while ago. <laughs> it's almost if, – if someone made a movie about this, they would say this is too much. It's too crazy. People wouldn't actually do that. You can't make this up what our reality is. You cannot make this up. <laughs> That's what I mean. We're in the twilight zone. So like common sense, everything that like everything, gravity, everything is off now. That's what it feels like. No one's on the same page. We have, <laughs> we have just, oh man, how's your week going? I, I need to know how your week's going. Thanks for asking. Uh, my week is pretty good. Aside from that, that, that adds a little bit of levity as bad as it is and morbid as it is to laugh at that that's kind of funny in my opinion but my week is pretty good nothing too different from last week just um working out trying to work out the mind reading a little bit i started this documentary on uh netflix it's called waco it's about the uh the shooting and just the the tragedy uh, that happened in waco texas back in 90 93 i think where this guy david koresh he People called it a cult, and cult is a is a odd word to use because cult is a word that says either things are a cult or they are not a cult. There's not a lot of room for it, and with complex things in life, it's not a good idea to limit language. That's my opinion. Now back to this guy, David Koresh. He started a religion, uh, the Branch Davidians. Or uh, you said he didn't start it, Brian. You saw this documentary too. Yeah, it's from 2018, which I was surprised about because I I really hadn't heard about it. Um, and we honestly should have, cause on it, the story had to be told, I feel like. And, um, absolutely. Um, yeah. But the more that I read in on it, um, obviously with any film or documentary, they can only, or book, they can only give so much information. They have so much time. Um, supposedly, yes, he did not start, um, the religion, a couple did, um, two others, right. and then he took over from them. Um, but okay, so that, that's that's correct. He took over that religion, and he basically had a compound, for lack of a better word, with over I think it was 150 people. That's yeah. women and children included. And the tragedy of all this is that in '93, uh, April, I think it was, the standoff between David and the members of his religion, who were there voluntarily, according to the accounts of it all, you know, they chose to be there. For over 50 days, there was a standoff between those people and the U.S. government. That includes the ATF and the FBI. Both of these organizations were outside on their lawn with tanks. And if you don't know what happened, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. I mean, this, is, this happened, I mean, nearly 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you can look it up. And if you look it up, you'll just kind of see the facts. So I'll, I'll just get into it briefly. Um, 76 people died. U.S. Mm -hmm. citizens died. And of those 76, 25 were children. And what happened is the FBI used tear gas, which is, uh, it's, it's illegal. The Geneva Convention ruled it to be illegal, even if you used it on like a terrorist, say, you know, in, in Baghdad or wherever else. So the U.S. government used it on American citizens. And this tear gas resulted in a fire, which tear gas usually does. It's very flammable. And because of that fire and people getting trapped inside, over 70 people died. So those are the facts of it. It's a tragedy. And I mean, props to Netflix for, for doing it. I'm not going to say the tragedy, the, the way it's portrayed is entirely accurate. But a lot of the facts are there. 
And I think it's really worth watching just because it's history and history is very important. Yeah, I think it's important that when you do watch it, um, you do know that with any film or documentary, obviously there is a little bit of opinion um, and there's a little bit of bias um, on each side. I think that there is definitely, there's some things that maybe aren't told because it makes the story a little bit better. Um, not better yeah. in the sense of and as you're outcome, saying, but more entertaining. Yeah. But and as you're with, saying, a movie and a book, real life and a movie, details get lost. Right. Right. But with that said, um, I think it is important to understand that, you know, movies and television, this, this situation in general, I mean, I have always heard about Waco, but I never really knew the details. Uh, I don't know if you did, Ethan. Uh, I have a good understanding of a lot of things that have happened uh, that pertain to this. And what does that mean, right? It means, for me, my personal opinion, and I'll never really get political on here, but my personal opinion is um, small government is better than big government. So when big government does things to American citizens, that piques my curiosity. And so I was a little familiar with what happened in Waco, and I thought, well, it's a cult they were, you know, they had a bunch of guns. They were going to do something crazy, and the U.S. government stepped in and with appropriate measures. And as you look at the facts, that wasn't so much the case, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that. With that said, though, I think that what the important thing is is that you know, movies and televisions have a way of connecting people with stories in a way that nothing else really does. Art in general has a has a way of connecting someone like myself, who didn't really know that much about it. I think that I am, you know, educated in a lot of different areas, but I truly didn't know. You can't, you can only be educated in so many things. So when they, when somebody took this on, uh, the writers, the directors, um, the actors, it was their job to dive deep, figure out who these people were, figure out what exactly happened and get it out there to the people. And I'm glad that, you know, they have streaming systems like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime that are putting out informative and interesting movies or docu-series out like this so then people like us can actually see it and understand you know what our history is in america it's controversial but it's a huge issue that we need to have some type of understanding about conversation as, and yeah in conversation about, yeah. yeah um obviously we're not there there's a lot of i'm sure there was a lot of aspects that were not portrayed through the film and if somebody that was there that represents the fbi or represents um, any of the other agencies that were there, I'm sure they might tell it a little bit differently. However, well, that's, if I can interrupt you for a second, that's kind of the beauty of, of the series. I'm not saying it's entirely correct. It's not, but Gary Nosner, it's based off of his novel, his, his autobiography, uh, stalling for time as you know, his, it's his experience as an FBI negotiator. And it's also based off of David Thibodeau. That was, uh, one of the guys in the religion and he survived one of the few five or six people who did survive. So it's based off of those two people's, their accounts of it. But like you said, the, the, the importance of history and shows like this, like this being made, the priority of real life events being depicted in uh, our pop culture through Hollywood and whatever means is that we can have conversations about it. And the value is that these things won't happen again, or at least they're less likely because we, we understand why it happened and how right. to prevent it. Right. You learn from it. But if it just gets swept under the table and nobody and everyone's scared to talk about it or 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 if the if Netflix was scared to put this documentary forward or docuseries forward, then it never sees the light of day and it doesn't give it. The realistic thing is that this was 
a huge event and we need to act like it was. You can't just sweep something like this under the table and act like it didn't happen. Um, and even when it comes to, you know, these agencies, this gives them an opportunity to be better, to learn from it, to have, exactly. to have to the be better servants of the American people. Right. That's right. what their job is at the end of the day. Right. But that doesn't happen unless there is a little bit of pressure put on them because uh, just like, just like anybody, I think it's, it's a, it's a natural human characteristic to go the easy route. Right. It's the same reason why when you're working out and you're on your last rep, your body's telling you, just just put it up. Just put it up. Just what if you want to cheat that last rep or not even do it? Yep. That's right. Yep. That's right. And and that's the same thing. I mean, you have to understand that everything is run by humans. So when we look at these agencies, they are still run by humans that can be manipulated, that can try to go the easy route, that can try to go the way where they get the most recognition. There's still issues within that system, just like there's issues within so, all of us. Like you said, all of us, and there's, it's, there are only people at the end of the day. Right. Like you said, you're in the gym, whatever it is you're doing, and you want to just skip out on the last thing because, hey, you've worked so hard already, right? But what keeps you accountable? Either you or like a, a friend of yours, well, you're working out with a buddy. I know that when working out with Brian, he's going to keep me accountable. I mean, this guy is like Dwayne Johnson's son. He might be. I don't know. <laughs> Dwayne, could you weigh in on this? Um, <laughs> so people keep other people accountable. And that's, that's kind of the, um, the value of documentaries like this, where even though they're not entirely factually correct, um, they have a critical light on both the FBI, the ATF, and uh, David Koresh as well, which is, I think, very well-rounded. Because like you said earlier, nobody was um, innocent in this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the mistakes were made. Uh, a lot of poor decisions were made, my opinion on the ATF and FBI's account, but that's a topic for another day. Yeah, I think it but, also uh, was, was nice about yeah. it was that it gave... Because when you hear cult, it gives you mm-hmm. it gives you a bad feeling, right? And I'm not bad saying that word, everything, yeah. I'm not saying that everything they were doing, I agreed with because I don't. I, I really I really don't. And I do think there Let me was. Say I agree as well. We're in the same yeah, position. Yeah, and there was some shady stuff going on there. However, it gave these people human characteristics. I think when you hear that word cult, you forget that you're dealing with human beings, people just like you and me. You have families in there. You have you have mothers. You have children. You have babies. So it's easier to sweep it on the rug when someone says, oh yeah, that was, that, that, that was just a cult that, that you know, you have, a blanket, you have a blanket word like cult, which dehumanizes mm-hmm. uh, a group of people or yeah. a person. Yeah. It's an easy way out. And, and th- this documentary um, docuseries gives you the ability to feel something for these people and, and, and put yourself kind of in their situation, their shoes. Would I have done the same thing they did? Probably not. But at least it gives you the ability to, to be present, to, to, to have, um, to, to be able to feel for them and, and, and understand, yeah. even though they're different, okay, maybe we could have approached this in a different way. And in the future, hopefully we do. That's, that's really it. I mean, you know, I told you uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, however long ago it was, I took a, a CCW class. For those of you who don't know, that's a concealed carry weapons class. And it was just because it was cheap and I have nothing else to do with my time. And, uh, but the thing that they honed in on though in this class is de-escalation. You never want to have to escalate a situation. And that's what I kept seeing in this documentary. That guy, Gary Nozer, he was the FBI negotiator who was trying to de-escalate the situation so people were not hurt. And 
that's, I think that's one of the most beautiful things. You mm-hmm. don't want to meet force with force. That's not the way human beings are. I mean, the most important thing, my personal opinion is that love is the answer fundamentally. So force, although sometimes necessary, life is complex. It's not black and white, but love and the idea of de-escalation is, I think it deserves more of a, a, a place on the talking board as our culture has come to where it is now. You know what I mean? Right. What did that guy say? You, you, you brought up how at the end there was this guy on the radio covering the events and the, and the documentary talking about just the way people see each other. Now you, you, you talked to me about it earlier. Could you say it again? Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly what he said, but pretty much, I mean, he's just talking about how, you know, we're, we're all Americans. We're all people at the end of the day, kind of what we just kind of touched on and something oh, yeah. that, I thought that really rang to me, especially in this time, was that you you saw this, when it came to the FBI, you saw these two men who were kind of quarterbacking this whole situation. Um, one of them was uh, there for negotiations. One of, their, one of them was there for if things got, you know, um, needed to get physical. And what I took away from it was that, you know, there has to be a middle ground, right? So there is a need for, for physical force at times. And, and, but, kind of what situation we're in, right? And with COVID-19, everybody's at home. And, and, and I think that a lot of people are struggling right now to find a good middle ground for being physically fit, but also mentally fit. Finding um, a regimen, finding a schedule that keeps them grounded. And, and uh, I, know, I know that's probably not what they were trying to, to shoot out, but I think that with the situation that we're in right now, it just spoke to me in that way where I was like, you know, in every single person, you're going to have both of those guys in, in, your, in your head, you know, kind of like, you know, they show that depict like um, the devil on one side and the angel on the other. Yeah, it's, one of your shoulders, yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily like that, but you're going to have um, something inside of you and you're always going to have to be trying to find that healthy middle ground where you are, are exercising um, for your physical needs and also your mental needs um, to the point where, you know, you're healthy. And I think a lot of yeah. people are struggling with that right now when they're stuck at home, um, they have nowhere to go and they don't know how to, um, we haven't been trained for this situation, you know? And, and I know that I've seen that you put together, you know, uh, a great regimen. You made sure that you are, your whole day is kind of planned out. And, and I think that that's helped you. What do you think? Do you think that helps you? Absolutely. The idea of um, a schedule, even in times like this. Now, I used to work like later in the night. So I'd get up around eight o'clock, which, which would give me like two, six hours of sleep. I'd go to bed late, get up early. I still right now hold myself to a schedule of around eight, nine o'clock every day, go to bed at the same time every day at night, you know, around 11, maybe one. And for me, that really works. And between those hours, it's, I think it's important to figure out like, not, not like you're trying to save the world and these are the tasks you got to do to do that. It's just, you got to outline. If I can only do five things I want to do today and I can only do two of those, what would they be? And if I did those, would it be a good day? Cause the idea is that you're not going to give yourself this mountain of, of stuff to do. And uh, the idea is that you're also going to incrementally improve or, or build closer to things you want to get better at, whether it's physical health or reading or schoolwork or, there's so many different things. Being a better cook. Like for me, I like cooking. I can cook good stuff, but I'm bad when it comes to like actually measuring stuff. And so 
things like that, stuff that you don't necessarily want to do. I think, well, if I could just get better at that today, I'll feel better at the end of the day. Because there's nothing worse than feeling like you could have done more than you did for me. What do you think? Yeah. um, I think that when I got done with football, a little backtrack, you know, I did, I played football since I was five years old, um, all the way up to 22. And to be able to get to, you know, the NFL, uh, I had to be very regimented. I wasn't necessarily the fastest. I wasn't the strongest ever on any team that I was on. So I had to outwork everybody. So I got used to a very strict schedule. And it's a lifestyle. It, it turned into a lifestyle. And it was something that when I was younger, I truthfully didn't understand. And I did understand why my parents um, were keeping me on this schedule. I didn't understand why um, maybe I, I couldn't go out one night, you know, um, because I had training the next morning. I didn't understand it. And looking back on it, I'm so thankful. Um, I'm so thankful that I had you know, parents that really instilled that into me because it's helped me so much in life. Um, When I got out of football, that was something that I had to realize where I was no longer on somebody else's schedule. So I had to figure out my own schedule to be on, right? Because now I'm- Let me interrupt you really quick. You started playing football. What age did you start playing football? Five. So five until what? 22, 23? To 22. You got got out of playing football. 22. Yeah, 22. 17 years. Yep. Yeah, man, it was, it was a big transition. Yeah, it's a huge transition. It's probably one of the things that I'm the most proud of my life, not because of just how far I got, because how long of a commitment that is. Um, The idea to have a dream and to stick with it for that long, um, looking back on it, you know, it made me into the person I am today. So when I, when I look at that and, and when I got out of, when I did get out of football, that was something that I had to realize was that that was a huge strength because there's a lot of people that that haven't learned that yet and they wonder why i think they wonder why you know things aren't moving or or you know i don't feel proud of the things i did today and i think it's because you don't have a checklist it's a lot easier in this situation for instance um depending on what i'm doing as far as, far as a workout if i want to run you know up here it's about 100 degrees outside so if you want to run i usually run early um around 5 a.m I'm not saying that you need to wake up at 5 a.m. Sometimes I wake up at 7 a.m. if I'm not running in the morning. But that whole day for me is planned out. Um, Obviously, if some things come up, you know, I can be versatile and and I'll change up what I'm doing. But what it gives me is it gives me not only a game plan to succeed, but at the end of the night, when I look at my schedule, it makes me proud. It makes me go, you know what, I did something that I accomplished something today. Even if it's not something that's really – something that you could really see. You know, I'm not saying that I win a trophy and, and, and uh, he's lying. He wins trophies, everybody. <laughs> the 5 no. a.m. running trophy, he's won it 10 years in a row. <laughs> no, but I'm not saying that it's something that, um, you know, I'm going to post on Instagram and say, hey, I won this award. But it gives you a feeling like, hey, I accomplished everything I wanted to do today. Because what happens is, for me personally, is if I don't do that, the day slips away from me. You look down and it's 4 p.m. and you haven't done anything. I've been watching Netflix for the past three hours and I'm like, what, what just happened? You know, so it keeps you accountable and then it gives you the ability to be proud of your day and, and feel like you accomplished something at a time where there's so little going on. Which is even better because right now it's, so, it's never been so much easier for me to at least to say for myself. It's never been easier to just say, hey, stay indoors eat some chocolate, 
don't do anything. <laughs> right. You know, no one, no one's looking. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like you said earlier, it's like, there's a little devil on your shoulder, a little angel, uh, whatever it is for you. There's a little voice telling you the right thing, or at least there's a voice telling you the last right thing. So a schedule kind of keeps you accountable. And it, while it's probably the ultimate flex to like post on your Snapchat, Instagram, that you're going running at 5 a.m., let's be <laughs> honest, that's the best flex. What that does for you, though, that discipline of doing whatever activity you do at a certain time every day, that discipline is freedom. Freedom to feel better about yourself, to see progress happening for you, to not see yourself get swayed by the day or your impulses because it happens to the best of us. Now, when you're, when you're attacking something like playing piano, guitar, being a better parent, being a better you know, accountant, whatever your, you know, whatever your job or hobby is, you'll notice like there's little things you get better at and then there's always another milestone. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's always another goal. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, Ethan and I both started kind of, Ethan probably started a little before me when, when trying to play an instrument. Uh, he plays the guitar, and uh, I'm recently playing the piano. Neither of us are ready to hit the stage yet, but uh, I do think, you know, we've made well, Speak some... for yourself, Brian. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm hey, um, any band out there looking for a great guitarist, hit my boy up. <laughs> He's ready. You will not find it here. <laughs> no, but um, we had talked about this other day where it's like, the longer you go of doing something, I think the accomplishments, the feeling of you were accomplished is so much harder to reach, right? So um, when I first started playing piano, which was, you know, uh, around last, the past August, uh, if I learned a song, I was so happy. Like you're going from zero to learning something, right? And now you could play this one song. And you're so extremely proud of that song. Now I look at those songs that I know how to play and that are, uh, that I was so proud of before. And they look like it's nothing, you know, it almost looks like, dude, anybody could play this. But at a time where I didn't know how to play the piano, anybody could play this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you almost trick yourself because now it takes a lot more, even though I'm not even great yet. Um, it takes a lot more for me to feel accomplished after a session of playing the piano whether that be like in piano or acting, as you've seen, or anything else, football, that it's, it's everywhere. You think anybody can catch a football. Whatever it is that you do, you think, oh, anybody can do this after that for a little while. Right. So how do, you, how do you look at that stuff when you've already become something and you see the next thing you want to become? I actually have a really, really funny story. <laughs> so when I got done playing football for the Indianapolis Colts, I kind of was in that same mindset i you have to understand for the past four years i was at a division one program everyone there was the best at their high school right so now and then i go from there to nfl where everyone was the best at their division one or division two or whatever they came from so i'm surrounded by amazing football players non-stop i think that i'm just one of the guys i think that what because you're surrounded by it you think everybody's like this a few weeks after I get done playing football, I get held by one of my friends from back home. He goes, hey, my company is putting together a football team for a flag football tournament. Do you want to be in it? Oh, yeah, it I should be fun. Story. Yeah, <laughs> should, be, should be a good time, right? I'm thinking, you know what, it'll be, it'll be fun. I get on the field, and I think I have 400 yards. I have seven touchdowns in, one, in the first game. And I go, oh, <laughs> It should be illegal. There, there's levels. Like you, you almost forget 
that there's levels to every single thing that you do. There's going to be levels. And just because, just because you've been at it for so long, there's people that are looking up to you in a way that I think that a lot of people, when you see this, you know, you see this with, with some of these celebrities, I feel like they almost forget because they're most of the time they're only around other celebrities, right? So they forget. Like you said, you're around football players for so long. You think everybody's like that. That's right. For instance, for instance, I don't know if you saw this. It just came out that Kanye West is now a billionaire. Did did you read about that? No. Congratulations, Kanye. Um, I'll take any donations you have. Thank you. (laughs) So, so it just came out on Forbes. Forbes announced that Kanye West was a billionaire. His response, the head editor, I believe, to Forbes was, he texted him, he says, it's not a billion, it's $3.3 billion since no one at Forbes knows how to count. Now. You hear that, Forbes? Learn to count. All three so, billion. So when you read that, you go, dude, like, what? I think that he forgets because he's been, and, and you know, I don't want to take any credit away from him, okay? Because Obviously, no matter if you believe, obviously he says some, he says some wild things and there's some things that a lot of people don't agree with, but he has a talent when it comes to his artistic ability, whether that's in clothing or music. And you know, he's grossed a great amount of money because of it. But I think that since he is around nothing but celebrities, nothing but yes, men and women all day, every day, he might not realize how this comes off. Right. And he might might not not be, you're saying, yes. And he also might not think back to Kanye, man, think back to when you were on the streets, right. And you're rapping literally on the streets for somebody to hear you. Now you just made $3.3 billion. You could have, you have so much money. You could do whatever you want with it. Whatever cause you want to go to, you got it. Whatever you want to give your family, you got it. Whatever house you want to uh, buy, you got it. You've won, brother. Like, there's nothing less to say other than you won. If I told that to, I, I, I don't know him, but I guarantee you that if I told that to him when he was on the streets, I go, hey, man, what would I say? What would you say if I can give you all of your dreams and $3.3 billion on top of that? Would you be grateful? He'd probably say, you know what? Yeah, I would be. Because he wants it so bad at that point. But when you've been when you've been surrounded by nothing but the celebrities or nothing but that lifestyle for so long, I think you become you forget. I'm not saying they forgot where you came from, but I think you forget a little bit about you know how bad you wanted that at one point, and, and and how much you need to take this for for what it is as a blessing. You worked for it. Don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, you are blessed. You know Let's what I mean? Talk about that. He's 100% blessed. I mean, whether your opinions of him were negative or positive, Graduation was an amazing album. Congratulations to Kanye. I'm not going to listen to this, but $3.3 billion, a billion dollars, whatever is an accomplishment. Me personally, I, w- I would have waited a little bit longer before I announced it, just because the entire world is in a pandemic. That aside, mm-hmm. congratulations, Kanye. You mean you worked for it. You got it. I don't know how much is Kim's money. I'm sure all the Kardashian stands <laughs> will come in here and uh, tell me something. Otherwise, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely like an idea of when you're around a group of people so long, whatever they are, you will take on a group think of what they, they believe. And that's not a bad thing. You know, if you're around a, a motivated people who push you to be the best you can be, you will, you will become part of that equilibrium, so to say. But if you're on negative people, you will fall towards whatever they balance out to. 
that's kind of the beauty of like why we do the podcast, you know, because you and I are so like-minded. Yeah. You know, we kind of found each other. That aside, let's talk about some more news, right? We're on Kanye. The next K, the notorious K. Who am I talking about? (laughs) No one other else than Kim Jong-un. My boy is not in good health. Or he might be, but we don't know. Brian, let's talk about that. I feel like, I mean, I feel like every news article that's come out for the past month, it's like half answers. And this, but this is the one where I would expect that, right? Because anything that has to do with North Korea is kind of like up in the air. We don't really have any real intel in there. And then you read about it's uh, what's his name? Oh, 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 Dennis Rodman. Yeah, Dennis Rodman. Rodman, What's going on in North Korea? Yeah, what's going on with your boy, Dennis? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I guess I guess there's been word there's been word that. Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, may be in poor health. The way they came about this was that he missed out on, I think, two really major, major holidays, which typically he's at. And then there was an article in a South Korean like uh, newspaper saying that he had heart surgery. And they think that it might have been botched. But who knows? This heart surgery was done by Chinese surgeons, which raises an eyebrow because you're thinking, well, China and South North Korea... Now, if I was China and I was not Seth Rogen and James Franco and didn't kill him, not saying they did, not saying they didn't. I want to know, though. Um, if I was China, that's how you kind of take over, right? You have your surgeons go in, you botch a heart surgery or two. Come on. Also, too, I was thinking about it when, when, I, was, uh, when I was reading about this and I was thinking, no, yeah. Could you imagine, first of all, doing a heart surgery in the first place is tough, right? I'm sure that that is a very, it's very stressful environment. Can you imagine doing heart surgery on Kim Jong-un in North Korea? My hands are I shaking. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing here, man? Like, do you know that, do you know that game um, where you have to reach in and grab the uh, like organs, like out of- Oh, uh, Operation, is that what Operation, Operation, it buzzes yeah. if you hit it. Dude, I wouldn't be you able to play that. shot if you hit it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, what are we- do? Like he's killed people. They've killed people for worse. We know that. There was a, like Stalin back in the Soviet Union era. Stalin, he killed like 20 million people back in the 40s and 30s. This guy was having a heart attack and there was guards outside of his door. They were given orders to never go in there. They're also sworn to protect them. Anyways, Stalin got back up and had those guards killed. So that kind of explains what a delicate situation it is to be the heart surgeon for Kim Jong-un. Yeah. I would not do that job voluntarily. <laughs> that is that is some scary stuff. And, it, it, you know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, I think there is a lot of fear, though, as well, because... Um, That's going to rock he, the balance of power over there. It's going to change the balance of power. And also, too, if he does pass away, from what I've heard, his sister is next in line. I've heard and she's not too nice. I don't know if you've seen some pictures of her, man. And I don't want to judge a book by a cover, but she looks pretty scary. Like, I, she just look yeah. like... You know, and uh, and from what I've heard, some things that I've read, yeah, it's it could be. Um, I think every situation is very uh, volatile over there, and you never really know um, what you can say or not say while over there, and you don't know how it's going to offend or affect people over there. You know, I mean, they're quite frankly, you know, it, it is, you know, a lot of. It seems like you know a lot of the power is controlled by you know fear, and and that's a scary that's a scary thing, man. We're we're so blessed to be in a country where we do have the freedom to say what we want and do what we want and, and move the way that we want to. 
um, in the way that we are. And those type of, these type of stories really make you think about that. Uh, definitely, it definitely puts it into perspective. I mean, just the internet, having the ability to look at different viewpoints. In North Korea, you have what they have. To, I mean, North Korean defectors, say when they go to South Korea, all they hear are horror stories on what the Western world is and what the outside world is. Because mm -hmm. as you said, that regime is controlled by fear. Now, how do you keep a population in check? Well, by fear. You don't want them thinking that you're the enemy, although people probably know that their government's pretty wacky. But you let those people in, who are starving, whatever else, in bad condition, let them think, well, the outside world has it way worse. You know what I mean? That they're That's safer right. there. That's right. And it's a weird situation because it can, you know, when you hear, you see on news or Twitter or wherever else, that some missile just got fired from North Korea or something else is going on, you think, eh, it'll blow over. Right. You know what I mean? And that's just the best way to leave it is hopefully it's not going to be my problem. But this might change some things. And it might not because it's not confirmed whether or not he is dead. But if he is dead, uh, I wouldn't go outright saying he he died. So if he probably is dead, let's just be honest. Well, yeah, there is some def there's definitely some suspicion because he's not showing up to events. Um, he's usually he's very he likes to be kind of, you know, um, at all these events and make sure that that's kind of how their power works, that they're the center of every event that's large. And yeah, he's a and, symbol. Yeah. So the idea that he's not showing up to these does, you know, raise some suspicion. Um, there was another news article that came out of South Korea that said that he's completely fine, but that's nobody. I don't think anybody truly knows. Um, and if they do know it's too high up to tell us, you know, so just like every situation i feel like going on in 2020 there's not much the public gets to know about and they're the answers that we should be you know receiving we don't get um whether that's they think it's for the best for our safety or whatever it may be that's you know that's their decision but there's a lot of questions that are that are not being answered right now and it does become a little bit frustrating because this is you know we are talking about possibly this could be a huge issue for the world um and this just happened yesterday, right? Or was this was this um, two days I think, ago? I think they've been suspicious for a few weeks. So they've been suspicious. They've been suspicious for a while, but now mm -hmm. there's firmed, unconfirmed reports from yeah, confirmed, Japanese unconfirmed. media, <laughs> South Korean media, right? Uh, this guy being a vegetable state. I mean, yeah, I've seen memes of Kim Jong-un's face on Pickle Rick. We'll have to just wait and see, along with whether it's COVID-19 or uh, whether you know, you're waiting for your, your Trump bucks, as they say. Or news on Kim you'll just have to wait and see. Wait there for there are what? people, so people are calling that twelve hundred dollars stimulus check. Yeah. People are referring to it as Trump bucks. Mm. I guess it originated because President Trump took a little longer for the IRS to send out all these stimulus checks because he wanted his name on the check. So, anyways, people <laughs> refer to the stimulus check as Trump bucks, which I find hilarious because it's your money that you're getting back. Right. But yeah, um, people have not gotten all those yet, myself included. Where is it at, Trump? <laughs> I think it's a good way to close this. Yeah. Well, uh, we thank everybody for tuning in um, to this episode and send in any fan questions. You could do it through Instagram, Act Your Age Podcasting on Instagram, or when you go on there, you could see both of our individual accounts, DM us and send us something over. Or uh, if you just want to tune in, you keep doing that. We love all you guys and uh, we appreciate you guys. A thousand percent of what he said, guys. Be good. Stay safe. All right. Act your age. Later.